So last week I suggested that you wear something that would describe you. And it would have been really easy for me just to go with Kirkwood red and white, but I decided to kind of branch out just a little bit. So I have a couple of things here. This is my uh, ticket to the only Cardinals World Series game I've ever attended. This was game one of the 2011 World Series, which we won. I was in infield box 151, row two, seat five. So I was right up front. Um, so if any of you Cubs fans ever want to see what a ticket like this looks like, <laughs> I'll be more than happy to show it to you. Because clearly you're, you, something will happen between now and October, although you do have a very good team this year. And then the same year, 2011, I got to go to the Masters uh, down in Augusta, Georgia. I got to go to a practice round, and I love golf. Uh, so that was a, a great year for me. I got to see my, my first ever World Series in person. I got to go and see a practice round of Augusta. And of course, life wouldn't be, you know, normal for me if I didn't have something that had to do with hockey. I think my son Nathan stole my hockey puck that I actually caught at a Blues game years ago. I'm going all the way back to when they were playing in the arena. And they were playing the Blackhawks one night. And they were, I, we were sitting in my uncle's seats. And Nathan was with me. Nathan was about that big, our oldest. And a guy took a slap shot for the point, and somebody deflected it. So it's kind of wobbling, and it's, coming, and it's coming closer and closer. So I literally just stuck my hand out and grabbed it. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going that fast. And there was a cameraman right there, and he, he turned right around. And I handed it to Nathan. I'm like, here, hold it up for the camera. And about the time I handed it to him, I went, oh, my gosh. That, there's an imprint in my hand. I, I don't think I said, gosh, I can't say what I said. But, um, but this is my Curtis Joseph autograph puck. So Curtis Joseph was a great... Great goalie for the Blues, although they gave up a really weak goal in Toronto that gave up a series for us, but I'm not bitter about that. What we wear kind of says something about who we are, and I appreciate all of you that played along this morning and, and, and put something on maybe that, uh, that describes you. In all seriousness, Cubs fans, I, I really don't want you to touch this. Um, <laughs> Sometimes uh, there are folks that wear things and they're not very subtle about it, and you, you definitely can tell something about them. I'll show you a couple of pictures this morning. Uh, clearly, we know uh, which football team that these young men cheer for, and I'm certain that they hadn't had anything to drink uh, that day before they, I'm sure their parents were so proud when they, uh, when they saw that team. But then, of course, we've got some Blues fans. I'm not sure how you see through all that material, uh, but those guys are at most games, actually. The games I've been to, you usually see them. And clearly, you know who this guy's cheering for, and it's getting closer and closer to, to opening day. So a lot of times, what we wear, even if we're not dressing up for an event, what we wear or the way we dress says something about us, says something about what's important to us, says something about where we're from, maybe says something about our family of origin. What we wear on the outside says something about what's on the inside. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12 and reading through verse 17. Hear the word of God. Put on then, or clothe yourselves, Paul says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, 
in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we have, as we've gone through the study of Colossians, we've uh, heard from uh, your servant, the Apostle Paul, on areas of our lives that, that need to go in a different direction. And, and, he's, and we learned last week there's some things we're supposed to be rid of, some, some things we're supposed to take off, to, to, to move away from, to, to get out of our lives. And this morning we have the, the joy of seeing how you clothe us in your grace. Lord, I would imagine as we go through this passage this morning, each one of us will see areas where we can rejoice and be thankful because we see you're working in our lives. Uh, we see the transformation taking place. We're encouraged to see that some of the words on this page actually do describe some portion of our lives. But Father, we also uh, may be a bit discouraged. <clears throat> we may look and say, boy, I'm, I'm still falling very short of that mark. Lord, first of all, help us to remember that it is a journey, it is a process, it is a work that you are doing in our lives, that when you save us, you perfect us in Christ, but then you also go through our lives accomplishing the process of growing us up in our faith, of helping us look more like Jesus. So this morning as we talk about what we should wear, how the outside should reflect the inside, Father, what we're really asking is what's in our hearts. We pray that you would again reveal yourself to us, that in your mercy and your grace you would teach us. Father, forgive me for my sin. Don't let me stand in the way of what you want us to learn this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the sermon and the sentence this morning is very brief. It goes simply like this. As God's children through Jesus, our new identity should be easily recognizable. Right? So we're God's children through Jesus. And now that we're part of the family, now that we, we belong, and we'll talk about that a little bit this morning, our new identity should be easily recognizable. I want to give you five observations out of this text that I think point us in that direction. The first one is in the very first sentence of, of verse 12, Paul describes the outfit of adoption. He says, put on then, and then he gives us a descriptive term of our identity, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So the mistake that we want to avoid making this morning is skipping right to all those things that we're supposed to put on. Uh, we, we, we tend to be folks that can be duty bound and kind of want to make sure we get it right and, and, and we don't uh, miss any of the steps and we, and we tend to want to make sure we get it right. But we need to understand that Paul doesn't start with our response to God, but he reminds us of what God has done for us. And so our outfit is actually an outfit of adoption. We clothe ourselves. We'll get to that in a minute. Paul says that, put on, clothe yourselves. We'll, we'll come to that. So he's, he's given us a command and our lives are to move in a certain direction as followers of Jesus. But he says, the way you do that is to remember that you're God's chosen ones, that our clothing is based on God's grace. We are chosen means that we are adopted. You've heard about the, the, the mom and the teenage son who were arguing, and, the, and the, the son said to the mom, I'd never asked to be born. And the mom said, well, if you had, the answer would have been no. <laughs> but I, but I, have, uh, I have friends who have adopted children. I have a son who has an adopted daughter. She's my granddaughter now. And her birthday was Friday. She turned eight. I called her up. I said, Lael, happy birthday. I'm so proud of you being 17. Grandpa, 
She didn't say adopt a grandpa. She said grandpa, right? She's ours. She belongs to us. And so there's a choice that's made. I remember sitting in the courtroom as the, as the judge went through the process and spoke the words to Nathan about his new daughter. And, you know, eight years or seven years later, I still get choked up about it. But this is a choice that God makes. God chooses to save. Think about that for a minute. And I don't mean think about it in the context of your best day. Think about it in the context of your worst day. <laughs> think about it in the context of your most embarrassing sin. Think about it in the context of, of if we put it up, a description of it up on the screen right now, you would bolt for the door. It's in that context that God chose to love you and to call you to be one of his children through faith in Christ. Notice also that this choice, again, is not out of compulsion, but we are who? We are the beloved of God. As we sang this morning, uh, God is a good, good father, and I am the one who's what? Loved by him. God chose us out of love freely to give us this new life as adoption as his sons and daughters through faith in Christ. So we wear the outfit of adoption, but my second observation is our spiritual clothing bears an astonishing resemblance to the Lord Jesus. Look at the things Paul calls us to put on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. If you go back to the Gospels, if you go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the historical account of the life of Jesus, every one of those words can be found in the way the authors describe the life of Jesus. His compassion, his kindness, his humility. Think about how gentle he was. Remember when the, when the, when the, uh, the, uh, the disciples were trying to shoo away the little children because they were such a nuisance. And Jesus was like the premier preacher in his day. And he could have said, yeah, that's right. Get the kids out of here because I, I just need to be with the adults. I need to make sure they get it. He said, let the kids come. Don't you understand if you don't come like a child, you can't come at all? Think of the humility of Jesus, the meekness. He knew that he was the all-powerful God of the universe. And yet he, he allowed his lordship to be contained in a human body. He submitted his will to the will of his father. Meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. And Jesus chose to allow his strength to be controlled to the extent that he could go to the cross for us in patience. Think about Jesus' 12, 12 little buddies that followed him around all the time that he, that he tried to teach and tried to help. I get great encouragement when I, when I slip up and I mess up again. I, I just remember the disciples and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm at least in good company with those guys. They were constantly messing up and getting it wrong. And Jesus was so patient and so kind and so gentle. So when Paul says to clothe yourselves with compassionate hearts, with kindness, with humility, with meekness, and with patience, all he's saying to us is you need to look like your older brother Jesus because his character is now yours. And so our response to understand who we are as God's children, chosen and loved, that we're called to look like our older brother Jesus. Therefore, we are intentional about our journey and growing in these things. We have a desire, a longing to resemble our Savior. So Friday morning, I'm, or excuse me, Thursday morning, I'm sitting in the back room at Spencer's, minding my own business, having breakfast, and the cook comes around the corner. The cook is a, is a gal named Rose, and she said, uh, uh, one of the servers, she called her by name, I won't mention the name, she said, she needs to see you in the back room. I'm like, I'm eating my bacon and eggs. What, what do you mean she needs to see you? She's having a really hard time right now, and she said she could talk to you. So I, I, I've now done pastoral counseling in the storage room at Spencer's. I'm not sure if that's a step up or a step down. 
But I, I walked back and here, here's this young girl. She's just crying, crying, crying her heart out over what's happened to her. But she knew I was a pastor and she knew that I would, I would listen and I would care and I, and I would pray with her, which I did. But she knew that because I was a pastor. I wonder if I hadn't been a pastor, if she still would have known that about me. I wonder if she would have known that I had a compassionate heart that was the heart of Jesus or that, that I wanted to be kind. I wanted to be humble. And the life that I lived was actually a humble life that would maybe feel like she could, she could trust me to share things that maybe were a bit painful in her life. See, I'm not supposed to be those things because I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to be identified as a pastor. I'm supposed to be identified. We're supposed to be identified as chosen, beloved children of God who look like the Lord Jesus. Our spiritual clothing bears an astonishing resemblance to him. Thirdly, our spiritual clothing redeems our human relationships. Look at verses 13 and 14, bearing with one another. Now we switch from kind of, this is what it's supposed to look like in your life to here's how you interact with one another, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds them together in perfect harmony. There's three things that Paul tells us there. The first is he calls us to bear with one another. In other words, we're supposed to look out for each other. How many of you are the oldest child in your family? And you have, you have younger siblings. You're not an only child, right? How many, do you think you could calculate how many hours you spent looking out for your little brother, your little sister? It was like, like a full-time job, right? You had to make sure that they, you know, that they didn't cross the street where they weren't supposed to. You just, you know, you kind of felt this responsibility to help make sure they got through life okay. I have an older brother and an older sister, and both of them, I'm sure, felt compelled from time to time to actually tie me down to the railroad tracks. And then at other times, they probably felt compelled to, to you know, get me off of them, make sure that nothing, nothing bad happened to me, right? The notion here is that we look out for each other. The notion here is that we don't have tunnel vision, that we're just consumed with ourselves, but rather we're known as a body of believers who care for each other, who want to make sure each other are okay, who are troubled when each other are troubled, who when, when uh, as happened to me this week, somebody was speaking to me who's not from Green Tree, and they said something that could be considered slightly negative about one of my staff members. And I said, you might want to think about that before you say that again. Back up. And uh, I said, you don't talk about my staff members. Not like that you don't. Not, not, not in a negative way you don't. So if you've got a problem with my staff members, you go try to straighten it out with them, but don't come to me. That's going to be a problem for us. Why? I, because I want to give my brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt. I want to think best about them. I believe that's what God calls me to. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get sideways with each other sometimes. It doesn't mean that I won't be wrong or one of our staff won't be wrong or one of you won't be wrong. But it means that when it happens, we bear with one another. Are we're wanting the best for each other. We're looking out for each other. And then Paul says, you take it even a step further. Not only, do you, not only do you bear with one another, but if you have a complaint, you forgive. Look at how Paul says that. If you have a complaint, you forgive it. Forgiveness means going to the other person and, and sharing the concern and offering forgiveness. Doesn't mean saying, well, I forgive him in my mind and then being mean to him the rest of your life when kind of, you know, sub, subtly, right? Kind of a passive aggressive kind of thing. Forgiveness means wiping the slate clean. I love our new dry erase boards downstairs because they haven't been too stained yet. When you, when you erase them, they actually look really nice and white and shiny. And that's forgiveness. Forgiveness means you can't tell what was there before. It's gone. It's as if it never happened. And the weight is on the offended party. 
Note that carefully. Now, if you know you've sinned against a brother or sister in Christ, you should go to them. If I know that I've offended a brother or sister in Christ, I should go to them. I said something kind of hurtful to Cindy the other night, just, and I literally was walking around. I stopped in my tracks and said, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And I walked back and said, sweetie, I, would you forgive me? That was, just, I, that, that was just terrible coming out of my mouth. So if you know you've done something wrong, yes, you should go to the other person and confess your sin. But your responsibility, if you're offended, is to give forgiveness. Why? because you forgive the way the Lord forgave you. So the day that you're not forgiven in Jesus and the day that I'm not forgiven in Jesus, that's the day we can start holding a grudge. That's the day where we can start counting the other person's sins and say, okay, you've gotten to, you've gotten to 497, one more and you're out, right? Paul says that if we're going to wear the clothing of the redeemed, we not only bear with one another, but we extend the grace that we have received. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And then he says, over all these things to do what? Put on love. And that's that, that's that agape love, that unconditional love, that I'll die for you and you'll die for me love. It's if the, if the grenade falls into the foxhole, you know, we're going to fight to jump on it first because we want the best for the other one. It's that kind of love. Paul says, over everything you do, Green Tree Community Church, make sure it's all smothered with love. All right. Anybody really love gravy on their mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving? And you just kind of keep pouring it on to the point where you can't see the mashed potatoes, right? I'm not a gravy fan, but everybody else in my family is. And it's like, what's under there? It's like, well, there's mashed potatoes down there somewhere. You know, what's inside there? There's, there, there's some people called Green Tree Community Church, but you can't hardly see it because there's so much love between them because they bear the love of Jesus in their hearts. They put it on like a jacket every morning when they get up. Paul says, if we will clothe ourselves with this kind of godliness, there will be redemption in the human relationships that we have. I dare say this morning that all of us can probably think of at least one person we're a bit put out with. It might not be a big deal, although for some of us there may be a huge deal. Are we ready to bear with them? Are we ready to, to go the long distance with them? Are we, are we willing to kind of step back from our judgment and, and understand that we want to try to have the best for them? Are we willing to forgive and lo offer love unconditionally. The putting on the clothing of God redeems our human relationships. Fourthly, I want to point us to our ever-present wardrobe consultant. Look at verses 15 and 16. Paul says two things. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called, one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwelling you richly, teaching and monastering, so on and so forth. Paul gives us a command here. When he says, let, what he says is, here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that, that you bring this into your life. You need to open up your heart and your mind and accept this and embrace this. So he's giving us a command. And what he's basically saying is you need to kind of put, it, put this stuff on because this is what looks best, right? So this morning, um, I took Cindy to the airport because it's her spring break, and it's her turn to go out and visit Katie and Richard and the baby out in Hawaii. And so she's taking what time is it? Nine? She left, uh, actually, she's leaving Chicago in about 10 minutes. And when she gets on the ground, she'll be in Hawaii in about nine hours. Um, but she is, she's going to uh, hang out with them. She's gone for about nine days, and that's problematic for me when it comes to wardrobe, okay? So... <laughs> So quarter to five this morning, I'm like, sweetie, this shirt, this pants, is this okay? And she's like, no, go back. So it wasn't this shirt. <laughs> and so I don't know what I'm going to do this week, except look kind of goofy some days, maybe. I need like the animal stickers that, that put them all together. But Cindy knows 
what, what looks best. She, she can look at it and go, that, that goes with that. So Paul's given us a command. So Cindy didn't say, yeah, wear that if you want to. She said, wear that. <laughs> Why? Because she knew it matched. She knew I wouldn't embarrass the family name walking around Kirkwood today, right? So Paul says, Here, here's how you don't avoid the, uh, embarrass the family name. Here, here's how you, you look like you belong to the family. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Not offer suggestions now and then, but actually rule in your heart. Think about the peace of Jesus. Think about the temptation of Jesus. And yet he went through that trusting his father. Think about the three years of ministry and, and all of the turmoil that surrounded that. And yet you see Jesus' stalwart peace in the middle of all that. You see Jesus at the cross. You see him suffering for us. And when it's all, it's all done, what does he say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's a sense of peace about him at all times. doesn't say that when we come to Christ that the turmoil in our lives is going to stop. But it says you have, you reflect on, you embrace the peace of Jesus. It allows a godly contentment to come into your life. Why is this important for us as, as, a, as a family? Because peace actually settles the family. Think about when there's a disturbance in life, whether it's a literal storm, you know, we're having kind of spring weather now, or whether it's a, an emotional storm. And think about where there's at least one person in the family who keeps their wits about them. Think about one person in the family says, you know what, it, it's going to be okay. You can think about in the context of the little one who comes running into the bedroom late at night because the thunder's going off and they're scared to death and you plop them down in the middle of the bed and you say, it's going to be all right. You know, and then about two minutes later, what, they're sound asleep and they're sideways and you can't get any sleep because they're, you know, they're rolling all over you, right? But they're just as peaceful as can be. Why? Because you told them it was going to be all right. You didn't say, oh my gosh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we better all hide. So it's going to be, right? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, little Johnny. It's going to be okay, little Susie. You know, come on, get in here. Now you go to sleep. Mom and dad are here. Boom. They're out like a light, right? The peace of Christ brings stability to the family. So we're, it's not that we're not going to face crisis. It's not that we're not going to face challenges. We are individually as well as corporately, but allow the peace of Christ to rule in us, brings a, a settling effect, a calming effect to the green tree family. But Paul says, don't only, not only let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, but he also says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, Paul understands that we need godly wisdom to put this kind of clothing on and to, to live in this way, to reflect the grace of Jesus. We need a lot of wisdom. We need a lot of understanding. And that starts with knowing the word of God. The reason we preach the Bible every Sunday is because there's, there isn't even close comparative second. <laughs> there, there isn't anything that comes anywhere near the word of God applied to our lives. It's transforming power to change us from the inside out. So Paul says, fill yourself up. Let it dwell in you richly. Let it be to the, to the place where it's almost overflowing in your life. Uh, I hope that you're reading the, the little devotionals that you're getting every day. If you're, uh, if you're connected to Green Tree all through Lent, uh, Tom Warner was nice enough to write a series of devotions. We'd send them out five days a week. I hope you're reading those. Uh, in a couple of minutes, you can look at a, uh, just one verse and then the richness of that verse. I've been so blessed every day to be reading those. I think it was on, it was either, I think it was Thursday's devotional where he talked about the infinite grace of God belonging to me. It's like, man, did I need to hear that this morning? Did I need to be reminded that there's no limit to God's kindness and God's compassion for me? That just was like, it was like, you know, just a cold drink of water on a really hot day. 
It just nourished my soul. And that's what happens when, when, the, when the word of Christ dwells in us richly. We actually nurture one another. We actually strengthen one another. Because we are going to have challenges. We are going to have problems. We are going to have hardships. We are going to have difficulties. And we are just going to have life to do. Just, just choices to make. You know, how, how do we raise our kids? How do we uh, handle our finances? How do we deal with conflict? I mean, it's all just day in and day out stuff. And the word of God speaks to all of that. So the more I know it and the more you know it, the more we can share it with one another, the more we can look out for each other, the more our family can be nurtured by godly wisdom. And, and so Jesus is always there. And notice I said he's the designer. I didn't say he's the consultant. Jesus is not here to consult you and me. <laughs> he's here to create and to give, and our responsibility is to receive and to put on. And so we're called to the peace of Christ and the word of Christ. One more observation in this text. If we will follow these words, we will always be in fashion, spiritually speaking, as it were. So I was thinking about who, who in my lifetime was always in fashion, who always looked right, no matter where they were in any given situation. So I'll put a little uh, picture up on the screen. Uh, Jackie Kennedy, who later became Jackie Onassis. And um, she just, there was a lot of cool things about her as the first lady and the, the first young family to kind of be in the White House and all of that. But I just saw some image of her in Life Magazine. Like she was just dressed perfect all the time. She was never overdressed. She never made other people around her look bad, but she was never underdressed. She just always looked the way she was supposed to. I'm sure she had a staff that helped her with that, right? Okay. Uh, but the point is this, when we, when we put on the word of God, when we, when we dress this way, you know, Jackie Kennedy, maybe she was a picture of simple elegance. But you know what? When we dress in the fashion of God, we're always in his style. The main word that Paul summarizes in this passage is thankfulness. He says, with thankfulness in your hearts to God, whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Have you ever spent a lot of time around an ungrateful person? Have you ever maybe been in a period of your life where you were ungrateful? It, it's exhausting to be around an ungrateful person. It, 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 it just totally takes all the joy out of life for you to be around a self-absorbed, self ungrateful, unthankful person. But have you ever been around a person that just is always thankful, is always grateful, you know, it's like you go through the McDonald's drive-thru and you get a cup of coffee. You're like, man, this is a great cup of coffee. You know, they just have that attitude about them that they're, they're just thankful in all things. And, and how much they, they encourage us and how much they convict us to probably be more thankful. They probably teach us uh, to grow in our own thankfulness. But it's always in style. <laughs> it's never out of style. And so Paul says, remember as, you, as you're clothing yourself to give thanks. Why? Because the only reason you get to put this outfit on it's because Jesus took his off, right? Jesus went to the cross and exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness, right? 1 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin, to be identified as sin, so that we who were sinners could become the righteousness of God. If you're a disciple of Jesus this morning, if you have faith in Jesus this morning, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ that it can never be taken away from you. How can we not live thankful lives for that? So what's the application this morning? What, what's the takeaway? Well, I'm, I'm just going to frame it this way. Maybe it's time for a wardrobe update, right? 
Every once in a while, what you're wearing is a little, you know, out of fashion, and you got to kind of update, you know, the, the wardrobe, no matter what it is you're wearing. Um, I have some, some t-shirts in my drawer that even if you're wearing a t-shirt, I probably have some t-shirts that ought to be tossed. Uh, but maybe, the, you know, there's a little update that we can do. And I've just picked out a, a, a handful of what's represented in this passage. There are several others, but just to kind of give you an idea, maybe you've found yourself being a little more hostile these days. And maybe it's time for you to go back and to sit down and to sit in this passage of Scripture for a little while and to look at some other passages of Scripture and say, wait a minute, actually what this passage says I'm supposed to put on is kindness, and I've had a little bit of trouble with that. Maybe I need to ask some brothers or sisters to pray for me about that and to hold me accountable to seek out kindness in my life. Secondly, what about maybe this question of forgiveness? This is a tough one. In some cases, it's relatively simple. I mean, it wasn't really hard. Cindy didn't have to sit down the other day and go, I just got to think about whether I'm going to forgive you or not for, you know, saying that quick, silly word that you didn't mean to say. That's kind of an easy one. But, but what if somebody's really deeply hurt you? Forgiveness isn't that simple then, but you're still called to it. But now it's a process. And now you, you, need, you probably need some encouragement. You probably need some help. You probably need some counsel. You probably need some wisdom. You probably need lots and lots of prayer from the people around you. But you can't say, because it's hard, I'm not going to do it. So perhaps you need to move from, from a grudge to forgiveness. And that may be a difficult, challenging process. But I want you to know, that's why you have the body of Christ around you. That's why Green Tree, one of the reasons why Green Tree is here. Maybe you need to, to, to change a little bit and, and get back into the Word. And maybe you need a fullness of the Word instead of spiritual malnutrition. Maybe say, you know, quite frankly, I've, ne- I've neglected my study of Scripture for a while. And I just need to sit down and be in the Word of God on a, on a daily basis and let the Word of Christ dwell in me richly. Perhaps you need to, to move to thankfulness from being ungrateful to being uh, in a position where you just don't see the grace and the mercy of God. So there's a lot of things that can define us. I can, I can put back on my Cardinals thing. I hope you Cubs made fans have that someday. I can put back on my, my master's hat. And now you know a little, my hockey puck, my little, my little uh, Curtis Joseph Cujo hockey puck. So now you know a little bit something about me when you look at me. As God's children through Jesus, our new identity should be easily recognizable. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the, for the challenge and the calling it places on our lives to live by faith. Lord Jesus, we thank you that, that the clothing that we have, we've received. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. It's given to us by your grace and by your compassion. It cost you your life on the cross, and yet it's freely given to us. Father, how quickly we forget to clothe ourselves in the character of our Lord Jesus. So I thank you for this passage this morning. Thank you for the truth that it speaks to us and the offer of grace once again. So Lord, wherever we happen to be in our journey, perhaps for the first time this morning, We haven't believed in Jesus and we want to trust in him as our Lord and Savior and and have his righteousness for the first time. Father, I pray for anybody who's at that place that they would just offer that prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior today. Father, for those of us who are disciples, and there may be an area that's been pointed out by your word this morning that's been a struggle for us recently, or maybe just a good general reminder of of we ought to be identifiable as Jesus' disciples. Lord, however you want to work this word in our lives, we pray that you would do it to the end that you would be glorified and to the end that our faith would grow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.